If you have your Bibles this morning, I would like you to turn to the book of Philippians, chapter 1. It's nice to be here this morning. It's um, nice to see some friends. And uh, only one person knows this person, well, two knows who I'm talking about, but he'll know. My cousin did not text me from this room last night when Gonzaga lost. Jedediah, I'm waiting, buddy. All right. Not that any of you cared whether who won a basketball game, I'm sure. But for some people, that's important. I still don't remember what we do here, so I'm just home, so we do what I do when I'm at home. So let's stand, and we're going to read Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11 together. I have thought a lot about this text through the years. I preached on this text in my church three Sunday mornings in a row around the New Year's time. And I'm going to do that which is hardest for me to do. I'm going to be number one short and number two, I'm going to focus on one line. And that's increasingly difficult to do with age. When I was young and didn't know how to preach at all, I could preach on one line any place in the Bible and thought I preached something biblical. It's a little more difficult now. But the Apostle Paul basically prays for the believers at Philippi, for the saints. Uh, No story about myself, but for the last month, I had surgery a little over a month ago. Uh, Surgery was pretty rough. I came home and then had the privilege of going back in the hospital for almost a week with a major infection. You spend a lot of time on your back. You spend a lot of time doing nothing but thinking and praying. And these passages kept coming to my mind. So I'm going to share one idea with you this morning. Actually, the idea is what's on the things which matter most is the only idea I'm going to share with you. I'll try to mix it with some Bible. I'll try to make it entertaining, but that's it. Philippians 1 and verse 9. Paul prays, and it's a real big debate about how many bullet points or if the bullet points are you got to do one before you do two. I'll let the Greek professors tell you that. But Paul says this, and this I pray, that your love, that love that God forms in your soul at salvation. We know we have passed from death into life because we love the brethren. We love him because he first loved us. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. That which happens that's formed by God himself, he says, I want that to abound yet more and more. And then he says, I want that in my way of thinking to be informed by knowledge. Not only formed by the new birth, but informed by the knowledge of Scripture and the knowledge of God. And ultimately transformed, uh, Paul says, in an all judgment. A sense of discernment. A sense of getting it. Uh, It's a real learned concept. And then the part I'm going to preach on this morning, Paul says, that you may approve things that are excellent. And that's what we're going to look at. And he continues that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ. And ultimately, the ultimate purpose of his prayer is that our entire life may be lived into the glory and praise of God. So whatever we become, whatever we do, ultimately will bring glory and praise to God. That's the ultimate But this morning, I'm going to speak just on that one line, that you may approve things that are excellent. I'm going to talk about things which matter most. We'll pray and be seated. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this privilege. 
Thank you for my friends here, many friends. Thank you for the young people that uh, have come to this great place. And I just ask your blessing on this time in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Things which matter most. I am an obedient husband. I've been married almost 42 years. At 42 years, if your wife makes a suggestion, husbands, what do you do? Yes, dear. You just learn these things. Now, this story is true, but it's not true as I'm telling it. Because it's, hold it. I've done it many times, so it's a compilation of many messes. One day, my wife asked me if I, was going to, if I could go to the great grocery store Aldi's and pick up some bread. And there's a certain kind of bread we like there, 12 grain or something, I don't know. And I said, sure, I'd love to do that for you. So on the, after school, I drove up to Aldi's in Zion, Illinois, and went into Aldi's, and I'm a typical man. I walked in the door, and the first thing that happened was I got distracted. First thing I noticed, there's sweet stuff. Then I started noticing things, and I thought, you know, there's milk. Maybe my wife needs a gallon of milk. Good husband that I am, I picked up a gallon of milk. And right beside the milk in the lower left area in our store, there are eggs. I picked up eggs. Then I saw some guacamole. I don't know what that had to do with milk and eggs, but I thought, who doesn't need guacamole? So I got some guacamole. I got several other items, went, checked out, went home. And I even mostly put things away because the guacamole has to be in the refrigerator. Wife comes home later, says, honey, where's the bread? Well, I got milk, I got eggs, I got guacamole, but I didn't get any bread. Now, you you say, that's funny, folks. What I'm talking about this morning is things that matter most. Uh, And by the way, I didn't get anything bad. I didn't bring anything bad home. I just didn't get the bread. I wish I could say I've only done that one time. This morning, I'm going to speak very quickly on four simple ideas, and most of this, friends, is going to be, for your sake, this morning, just trying to encourage you to think a little differently. Uh, The Apostle Paul prays for the believers that they may approve things, the King James says, that are excellent, and that's a fine translation. Uh, Things that are excellent, I don't know if I put this on the board or not, yes, Uh, are things that differ, that surpass, that excel. Some translations say what is best or what is excellent. So we must begin with a very simple premise. So friends, let's just say this very simply. There are things that matter most. If you don't begin with that, you just don't get the whole point of this. There are things in your life that matter most. For time, we're going to go to point number two. We're maybe going to go to point number two. Did I go too far? There we go. I think I'm getting it. So the idea being is this. If there are things which matter most, we're using a comparative concept Meaning there are some things that are okay, there are some things that are good, there are some things that are better, and there are some things that are best. The higher up the list you go, I would assume, 
the higher up the list you go, the more things matter. And let me do one thing before I go any farther. I'm not into guilt. We're not talking about a guilt fest. I'm not a Catholic. My Christianity is not driven by guilt. We're not talking about guilt. We're talking about looking at your life. And what I want when we leave here is for you to start thinking, what matters most in my life? Where should I put my energies and my efforts? No no guilt game. That's a waste of time, and I'm not a Catholic. Number two, which implies there are things which matter least, or at least things that matter less. So if we're saying, and Paul is praying, that we may approve and come to discern the things in life that matter most, we also must realize there are things that really don't matter much. They matter least. Not much at all. Paul, I think, is attempting to reorient our thinking. Where we think about life and activities differently. Uh, I pastor a church. I teach high school Bible. I love kids. But I know something. Every time I get up to preach on Sunday morning, somebody out there is asking me this question. They want to fight about what I'm talking about. I don't think the fighting, well, I have it in, uh, on the board. We, we should have no more right or wrong conversations or good or evil conversations. From my understanding, those conversations, once you get saved, should be kind of over. We should move in a different direction. Becoming a Christian, following Christ, uh, getting saved should settle those sorts of matters should move us beyond the simplistic thinking, is it right or is it wrong? Uh, Right and good ought to be the very baseline, the very starting point of our life. So let me just say it this way. When I went to Aldi's, sorry to say this, the town that I live in, Zion, Illinois, when we moved here 26 years ago, was a dry town. No alcohol sold in the entire town. Now we have alcohol sold every place, including Aldi's. So when I walk in the door, there's alcohol on the wall. I didn't bring alcohol home. I don't need to bring something home that is of no value. I think this conversation about, Pastor Warren, you can't prove this is right. You can't prove this is wrong. That kind of stuff needs to go. I'm not going to bring anything home other than something good. But in the big picture of life, I think we need to move beyond just doing right and doing good to start thinking about what matters most. So as I say, right and good are baseline starting point assumptions now in my understanding of things. Uh, We now work towards good, better, and best. That's how we look at life. Well, I like to preach for an hour. I got 30 minutes. Number three, things which matter most require God's help in discerning or approving. This entire passage is telling us if we're going to determine what matters most, you're going to have to have God to help you approve and prove what's, what's more important and what's less important. Things, there are things which matter most. And if there are things which matter most, there are things which matter, at the very least, less. Things which matter most require a process. It is a God-oriented process. It includes some basic concepts. 
Knowledge. Knowledge is always going to be a part of this. The more you know Scripture, the more you're going to know what matters most. Uh, It's going to require also judgment, which is a word that means insight, perception, discernment, judgment. We get aesthetics from that word. It means a sense of something. You, You have a feel for it. And in order to really come to the place where you can get to what matters most, you're going to have to have that concept. What matters most? Then he says there's a process, Dakimadzang, that you may approve. You're going to have to start thinking this way. All right, I could do this. Nothing wrong with this. I could do this. Maybe it's a little more valuable than this. You're going to have to start processing life. Now, I'm going to go to my whole sermon. My sermon's simple this morning, young people. But before I do this, again, no guilt. Guilt is really a false motivation. You're in school. Right now, you're just hoping to survive. I've been there. I've taken those midterms, and, you know, and then I've taken those finals. I get all that. But, friend, it won't be long. You're going to have to decide what matters most. It's been 35 years ago, nearly. My first church, I pastored two churches, one for eight years, and I'm just entering 26 years where I'm at now. My first church, I go to a man's house. He invites me over. He has a horrible family. His family's a disaster. His Christian life is a disaster. He claims he's saved. And then he tells me what he does every night. He says, for four to five hours every night, I do this. I go out into the backyard, and I take horseshoes, and I pitch horseshoes. Now, I want to say this to you. There's nothing wrong with throwing horseshoes. Four or five hours a night might not be things which matter most. Might be something that's a little silly. So somewhere along the line, we have to decide. I have people that I love, and some of you, most of you I don't know, people that I love with all my heart that spend most of their time watching television. And if you talk to them, the first words out of their mouth, I don't watch anything bad. Listen, if you watched the ball game last night, God bless you. But hear me, six hours of television is not what matters most. You're going to have to discern that. You're going to have to go through a process of reading the scripture, gaining knowledge in your own life, gaining a sense of perception, that aesthetics for what matters most. You're going to have to take this through a process, and we come to the fourth concept. So there are things which matter most, which implies there are things which matter at least less. Those things which matter most are going to require something of you. You're going to have to figure out by God's grace and by the scripture and come to a place where you find out what matters most. I'm going to go to point four, but I got to say this. I preached this sermon at the beginning of my year and I had a man walk up to me afterwards and said, Pastor, would you give me a list of things which matter most? And I publicly said, I absolutely will not give you a list of what matters most. That's the whole point of the passage for you to ascertain what matters most. Things which matter most must never be left to the mercy of things which matter least. I had the displeasure many years ago, many years ago, of playing a game. 
And Dr. Saxon, I have to confess something to you. You know, you're really a nice person. But my daughter puts me in a package with certain people. And anytime I mention certain names, my daughter will say, Dad, that you're just having a nerd fest. You're just nerding out. And I tend to be a little nerdy, I will admit. Years ago, friend, I, had a, I was at a family's house many, 40-something years ago, and they wanted to play a board game. Forgive me. I'll talk to you about life all day. Bring out a board game. I am immediately bored. And secondly, I'm out of Dodge. They brought out a board game, and the board game was called Trivial Pursuit. I played it one time. I wanted to shoot myself and everybody else in close range. (laughs) Why would I? Listen, I love knowledge. I love weird knowledge. But why would I want to know about trivia? Are there not things which matter most that are important? Things which matter most, friends, must never be left to the mercy of things which matter least. Things such as these, degrees you could have obtained. Now, I'm going to say this to my cousin in this room. He doesn't have to acknowledge me afterwards. You have no idea, buddy, how happy this lady over here and this old man are for you. Because I know where you come from. I know when you were adopted. And you have no idea how happy we are. And let me say this. And not everybody in your family is going to graduate next year with a master's degree. Thank God you have figured out some things matter more than others. Keep after it. That's what life's about. You could have training that you could have finished. Languages you could have learned. You know the joke, don't you? What do you call someone who speaks three languages? Trilingual. What do you call someone who speaks two languages? Bilingual. What do you call someone who speaks one language? American. After a while, it's like, you know, we might be able to learn more than one language. Relationships you could have developed and sustained. The older you get, the only thing that matters are those relationships. My goodness, books you could have read. Promotions that were what God wanted for you that you could have pursued. Challenges that you could have taken. Opportunities you could have pursued. Skills you could have mastered. I love the young lady playing the piano, and I think there was a gentleman playing before. My wife's an excellent pianist, an excellent accompanist. I have never met a person 60 years old that walks up to me and says, Pastor Warren, I just wish I'd have quit playing piano when I was eight. How many people have I met that hear someone play the piano well and says, you know, I wish I'd have kept playing piano. Here's my recommendation. Keep playing piano. Keep moving forward. Things that matter most don't always matter most right now, but in 10, 20, 30 years, they matter most of all. Yes, they do. People you could have witnessed to. My friend, the older you get, the people that you had the privilege of being part of their salvation and you being able to work with God in their salvation, 
That's going to matter a great deal. Bridges you could have built to others. The older I get, the more I want to build bridges, not burn them down. Friendships you could have developed and maintained. Investments in eternity you could have made. Missions you could have supported. Our honeymoon, June 9th, 1979, almost 42 years ago, my wife and I in a church not our own took on a missionary. We still support him. By the way, life is not about what's fun right now. It's about what matters most. Conversations you could have had. My whole sermon is going to end with conversations you could have had. Now hear me, friend. Right now, the most important person in your world is probably you. A little longer, you'll start realizing you are not the center of gravitational pull. There are things that matter more than you. And the conversations you could have had with people will be the things that last a lifetime. I had the privilege and difficulty of preaching my father's funeral. At the end of the funeral, I might have a picture of him. It's not a good picture. might be a little offensive. Well, I tried. That's not it. You know what? That is it. Yeah, I like those people, especially those two grandsons. Oh, I like Jesse. Well, I have no problem talking to him every day. I don't know who that is, the crazy man. You say, is it important to talk to your grandchildren? I'm sorry to bring a picture that has cigars in it. The guy on the left is my father a couple years before I knew him. This happened in the fall of 1945. My my dad didn't smoke cigars. I don't know who the guy on the right is. You say, what's this important about this picture? My friend, that picture right there is dad finding out that the war was over in Japan. And he wasn't going. He was in Europe. Because his, his group was the next group to Japan to meet his older brother who was in Okinawa. My dad died in 2013. I'll just tell you this. I had the conversations with him. I have no regrets. I know more about my father than any human on earth, including my mother. And when I preached my dad's funeral, my mother said, I understand your father better than I've ever understood him before. That didn't happen accidentally. I have another picture. This picture means nothing to anybody in this room. My wife has met a few of these. This is a picture taken in, I think, 1958, year after I was born. These are country people, if you don't recognize country people. Farmers. That's my mother's mother's family from southwestern Illinois. On the far right is my great-grandma, Adcock. I'll talk about her most. And then most of her children, two children are missing. She lost one child uh, in infancy, I think about a year or two old. There was a fourth brother. I knew everyone but one. My great aunt Ivy, born in 1901. My great aunt Alvi, I didn't know her. Opal, my great aunt, uh, let's see, Lorraine, my great aunt Mary, my grandmother. And then the three sons, Don, Frank, and Lawrence. You say, who are those people? Friends, these aren't important to you. These are the people I grew up with. 
Sadly, I didn't have that conversation with my great-grandmother. She died when I was 17. I'm going to read what I say in my notes. I honored her. I respected her. And in my country family, you better know you obeyed her if you wanted to live. But I never thought to ask her questions. You know, I was a teenager. She was 90. Why would you ask an old person questions? Well, the fact that those three boys and a fourth one were all in World War II. The youngest one, Uncle Lawrence on the end, never left the States. He was a sergeant. They kept him here. The next two, Uncle Frank and Uncle Don, were in a little battle called the Bulge. Late fall of 44. Oldest brother's not here. He died in the Philippines. When you're a teenager, what matters most is you. When you're 60, what matters most is her. Here's what's sad. Nobody else asked her questions either. When this picture was taken, great-grandpa was dead in 1945. Never met him. Great Ami died shortly thereafter. The two brothers on the right, Uncle, Uncle Don, Uncle Frank, both died of cancer in the 60s. I could have asked my great-grandmother this question. What was it like to lose four of your children and your husband before death? I was too preoccupied with me. Look at me, friend, that ye may approve things that matter most. You're going to have to determine what matters most. Let's get over this good and bad nonsense and fighting rules. That's what children do. When you get a little older, you want to move beyond that to say, what matters most? Of course, great Grandma Edcock was born in 1884. Great Grandma Edcock knew the original descendants of the original pioneers in the state of Illinois in my family. She went to church at a John Mason Peck church, Mount Gilead Baptist Church, way out in the country. She went there with Rachel Stennett Adcock, which was saved the generation after the first great awakening. I trace my roots. Those people moved from Kentucky, and I'm being very specific. The Baptists in Illinois came to Illinois over the issue of slavery. They left Kentucky after a half generation, and they left North Carolina in 1775, 20 family groups moved to Kentucky and then moved to Illinois. Friends, look at me. My great-grandmother knew some of those people, and I never asked a question. So here's the sermon this morning. I'm not going to give you a list. And I hope you're not still playing around with what's wrong with this. I hope your life is this. You live your life for things that matter most. Because in 10, 20, 30, 40 years, that's the only thing that's important. Fighting about whether or not you can watch this movie or that movie. And I would say to you, get a life. When you have people like great-grandma that I could have said, great-grandma, tell me what it was like to grow up in the 1800s. 
Tell me what Rachel Stennett Adcock, the first descendant into southern, southwestern Illinois, please tell me you knew her. You went to church with her. You were married in the church that she was a member of from the original 1832 church. But I was too busy with Ralph. So here's my challenge for you. Let's live our life for things which matter most. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this text. Forgive us for spending so much time with our belly button and our emotions and our silliness. And at this age, with this host of young people, some things we'll learn, at least I did, quickly. Mom, dad, church, friends, relationships. But my goodness, if I had a grandmother still alive, that would be a little bit more important than watching TV. Forgive us, change us, help us to have a reorientation to lives about things which matter most. This I ask in Christ's name. Amen.